<laughs> you filthy animals. <laughs> How's my buddies over at the R2 Sonic Campfire doing today? Never know. Keep them warm. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You guys should come. You're my good luck charm, man. I always catch fish with you guys. Is, is there room on the bus? Because I look at you guys, and the, the eight or nine of you guys impressed me a lot. You know, because I first Stop ran it. <laughs> okay. You know, no, go on. You guys. Um, I don't do advertising. You're not going to see me on billboards or in newspapers, classifieds, none of that. Well, yeah, there's that because, you know, you guys are awesome. But, uh,. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's comforting to know in case I say something stupid. No, no yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, you're hearing it. Real that's kind of our thing, so yeah. don't step on our turf. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> oh, man, I hope I, I hope I don't. What we're saying is actually new, so uh, that's why we're fumbling a little bit. But it, it's going to sound amazing. And we are back. You were listening to the Rutten River Pursuit podcast. podcast. We are sitting around a sonic campfire tonight. <sighs> Ooh. Ooh, it's hot. That sounds hot. Don't forget, though, we are Reality Outdoor Radio, where our mission is to get you in the outdoors by connecting you with the people, skills, and products you can trust. You trust can trust them. Mm-hmm. I am Ryan. Who do we got around the table with me tonight? I'm Steve. I'm Catfish. And this is Logan. This month's episodes are brought to you in part by Protection First Class Outdoors. PFC Lubes were designed and developed to protect and lubricate your firearms, your bows, your tree stands, heck, all your outdoor equipment. What about fishing rods? Absolutely fishing rods, Stevie. You know it. No way. You know it. Guys, I'm telling you, this stuff was originally designed to use in automotive undercoatings. Now, don't get more corrosive than that. I heard that. That's true. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, buddy. Does it leave a film or residue? Absolutely not, Brian. No film, no residue. This stuff isn't going to harm the bluing on your firearms, any other kind of finish you got on any of your other outdoor products. This stuff is the ticket. And what now, wait. I bet it freezes. It does not freeze, Bucky. What? Oh. But there's one more thing I got to tell you about. This stuff will also act as a cover scent. You got how many, me. How many times have you ever taken a well-protected and lubricated piece of equipment in the outdoors it stinks, boys. It yes, stinks. It Not this stuff. They got the earth and the pine cover scent mixed right into the lubricant. Wow. They Come on. Of everything. That's right, guys. Make sure you head on over to pfcoutdoors.com. Check out everything they got going on over there. Pick up some of that lube. It's the ticket. <laughs> boys. Mm-hmm. How the heck are you? Mm-hmm. Not too bad. I got a special treat for you guys tonight. I hope so. Do you? I do. Stevie's already grinning ear to ear. I may know who he may yeah, have a little little bit of inside information on as far as what we've got going on what tonight. What did you do, Ryan? Well, here's the deal: we knew we wanted to talk ice fishing, right? And that while sounds good, while we couldn't get a hold of Gus from Western PA Hardwater Series yeah. just yet, yeah, we got uh, what I believe to be is probably the next best thing to mm-hmm. Gus Glasgow himself. Get on with it. We got ourselves. <laughs> Mr. John Royer is on the line from Leatherwoods Outdoors. John, are you there? John. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Hey, buddy. Good, John. Uh, so, John, I introduced you that way, of course, for a reason, because I wanted to make sure Stevie was all amped up and ready to go. But folks know you for a lot more things than just ice fishing. Isn't that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We Everything from rattlesnake hunting to footlock muzzleloader, 
and uh, some of the other guys that we have on our YouTube channel, they do all other sorts of things. So lots of stuff in the outdoors of Pennsylvania. We had John on a while back. Yeah. Uh, This was, well, shoot, a while back. And that was probably the thing I enjoyed talking to him about most in that episode was the rattlesnake. The rattlesnake hunts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For for anybody out there, if there is one or two of you left that haven't checked out Leatherwood Outdoors on the YouTubes, uh, you got to go see it. These guys are literally into everything. And I already know the answer to this, John, but you guys have been having a pretty good uh, season here this past year. Your 2019 turned out to be pretty epic. Yeah, it, it really did. And, you know, it really just with footage, you know, we're we're not like an outfitter. We're not a professional media company. We're we're just regular guys, bunch of kids from high school that got together that all, were already filming, and we said, hey, let's let's make some hunt videos, put them on YouTube, and so it's when we have time and we do something. We, the way we hunt is just what the average person can do in Pennsylvania, except we just bring the video camera along. And so we had a good year this year of actually getting the footage. Um, and some years you don't get as good as footage. You know, we're not hunting, uh, you know, high penned areas. We're hunting fair chase, just like the majority of all the other Pennsylvania hunters out there in the woods. And we had a really good season for laying down the footage and getting some deer so far this year. Yeah. And, I'm I'm just not going to let you undersell it, though, John, because you guys, what you're putting out is nothing short, in my opinion, of, you know, outdoor channel, yeah. sportsman channel, whatever channel you want to watch, Hollywood quality video. I mean, you guys put Thank together you. a heck of a story. And my personal favorites, one of the reasons why I decided to try out flintlock hunting late in life mm-hmm. is some of that late season flintlock stuff. The videos that you guys do where you're going out in, like, traditional um, 1800s uh, clothing, and it's yeah. it's not just a – it's not a hunting video. It's it's literally a movie that you put together. And, I mean, I've watched enough of your films, and I recognize some of the backdrops from some of your other hunting uh, videos. So I know what the property is and the layout that you're – like, I know where you're at, but it's still like watching a movie mm-hmm. when you watch these things play out. It's actually really, really entertaining. What you just said – then you will love the next period dress video really? that I'm making right now this year. I have maybe two and a half minutes edited, and I thought I couldn't get any better than what I did last year, but it's I still have to finish it. I have to sh- at least shoot at a deer yet, but oh. what I haven't <laughs> even shot at a deer yet is still really good. Nice. So I'm excited. Hopefully, you know, the season's coming close to an end that I can at least uh, – I have two tags left. If I can get at least the deer down uh, on video, uh, I think that video will blow all the other ones out of the water. Well, that's that's pretty awesome to hear. I'm looking forward to that already. Mm-hmm. Good. It just stuff. over the years, you just get better at seeing things with the camera. You get better and better at just running the camera and looking for those shots. So it, it's some of the guys. It's more of a point and shoot. And yeah. you're done. And some of the other guys that take a little bit more time with the camera. And so, but still, as we do it more and more, we get better and better with videotaping because we just started out just like home videos. And yeah. then we got inspired by, by the people who viewed us that wanted to watch more. So it inspired yeah. us to make better and better videos. John, do you actually hunt like 
through the camera lens, or do you hunt and then put the camera where you saw uh, the animal? I, when I'm walking around in the woods in my uh, primitive dress, I <laughs> I have my footlock in one hand, and I have the camera in a, in a four-foot tripod stretched out already, ready to flip <laughs> out at a moment with the camera at the end. Yeah. So, like... I have no hands free, and it, it's just if I see a deer, my you know left hand comes up. The the you know the I have a technique where the the tripod flips out, it sits down, and then I got to try to get that camera on the deer, and then try to shoot the deer without so being it noticed. Just adds a whole other level to it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And and even even if we move past that the films that you're putting together, and I'm just going to call them films, the films that you're putting together where you're in that <laughs> traditional clothing and stuff, just your hunts that you're doing, whether it's rifle season or the flintlock stuff, where you guys are spot and stalk, where you're moving through the woods, and a lot of that work is over-the-shoulder hunts. You know, you guys see a deer bedded down, you work the angles, you get everything right, and a lot of your shots that you're taking, the camera's over the shoulder. It's not pieced together where there's, you know... Yeah. You know, you take the cutaways after the shot was made so that we can, you know, see this angle or that. A lot of this stuff is right over the shoulder of the hunter. It's it's awesome to watch. Right. And we try not to we we try not to, I guess you could say, mimic the T V shows because they are doing a lot of different angles and reenacting some of the stuff. Now, in the flintlock period dress hunt, we do the reenacting because you get that because you're trying to be from long ago, but the other stuff, we want it to actually be like more reality, more exactly what you would see, and, you know, if we can actually get the reactions true as they happen, um, that's the best thing, instead of trying to redo it all and, you know, pretend like you're excited when you, the deer was already dead for 20 minutes, stuff like that. Yeah. So we want to inspire other people to go out there and show them that you guys, anybody can grab a camera and go out there and do exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Anybody. Stevie. Yeah. You hear that, Stevie? He's shaking his well, head. Well, maybe not anybody. <laughs> Most anybody. Yeah. Taking on Stevie here. But, but definitely, John, I want to make sure that uh, everybody takes the opportunity if they haven't done so and just go check out the channel because it is really amazing, amazing stuff. And it's entertaining. Thank you. And it's informative. That's the other thing. I use the channel. Uh, a lot just to gain some information. Like I said, it's the reason I got back into uh, flintlock hunting later in life, and the information you're putting out is great. I'm going to leave it at that, though, for now, because Stevie's ready to choke me out. We're here to talk <laughs> a little bit of hard water fishing, aren't we, Stevie? Yeah, and it, this is really strange because here we are, you know, the middle of January almost, and I haven't seen uh, any hard water. I was getting ready to wash my truck. At all. Day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I in mean, your I, short shorts. In my short shorts. The the lake that we were fishing on last year, uh, at this time at Cowan's Gap, you know, had two inches of ice on it, and then it was gone. I mean, it was Real the, quick. like they had two inches around Christmas Christmas Eve, something like that, and now it's gone. So I I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if we will get hard water this year yeah. if we don't start. It's not looking. It's not looking promising. But how, how are is there any else? Yes. Yeah. How are things out your way, John? Uh, it's the same thing. As soon as the the ponds or the lakes get a you know just locked up, and then they melt. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, we're we're gonna have. I mean, it it was 14 degrees when I walked out the door, but I mean, tomorrow we're gonna be by the end of the day getting close to 60 degrees yeah. and possible rain. Yeah. The, now Ryan had mentioned uh, brought up Gus in the Western PA Hardwater Series ice fishing tournament a few minutes ago. Yeah. You, you guys participate in that, right? Yeah. 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 I I've been. Uh, Fishing them since uh, they first started, and I think you guys placed. They place them. They don't just participate. They place. Last year, Uh, I've we've we placed once last year on the last tournament at Lake Arthur. Uh, We have missed placing. We've come close. Uh, The very first tournament they ever had was on Lake Arthur, and we missed third place, which was. um, Third place was the final payout place okay and we missed third place by a hundredth oh. of an ounce what? Uh-huh. <laughs> what what kind of weights so, are we talking about first i think it third? was i think third place had 6.25 pounds and we had like 6.24 something like that uh wow. out of a 10 fish panfish limit for panfish, I mean that's so, a lot of that's how close it can be right there. Yeah. <laughs> between, uh, wow. and that that can be uh, just a just a half a pound can make a big difference. Well, if you would have let him swallow the worm when you caught him, John, you guys would have took the place. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, so, when, when you normally get started ice fishing, where, where do you go? When, when I first started ice fishing, yeah, like. Uh, it, it, in your area, what, what lakes typically freeze over first? Well, the thing about where, where I live in Claren County, there's, there's, it still takes a while to get to the closest place to ice fish. The Does best, uh, the closest, what I would almost call my, I don't know if you could even say it, hometown lake or lake that I fish closest is still 40 minutes away, and that's Kale Lake. Okay. And, um, you know, it's known for big bass and jumbo perch and big bluegills. And years ago, held walleye and possibly there may still be some tiger muskie in there. Uh, but mostly people go fish there for the largemouth bass and the perch. Tail lake. And there's some crappie in there also that are all good size. But it, it is a really good lake, but it's very small. But it's very fertile, so the fish get really big really fast. Like so you can meat. take a lot of fish out, and the next age class can get right up there to what you just took out the year before because it's just so fertile and rich with food and nutrients that the fish get big fast. Logan, you need to take me there next year. You, you shook your head I've as soon fished, as he said I've it. I've fished it a couple times. What? Yeah, I was uh, going to say, I looked over at Logan when he said Kale Lake because he's invited me to go there before. Jumbo never, yellow perch. Really? We got to get out there. And yeah. some of the biggest pumpkin seeds you ever see. Why am I just hearing about this? They're holding out. Oh. The biggest thing is a lot of the yellow perch, they spit up bloodworms. That's like their main forge, huh. it seems, in there. I mean, they spit them up like crazy. Now, when you went that out That is absolutely correct. When you went out there, when. Was that on? Is that out towards going towards Erie when you go out it's that way? It's right above Clarion. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. I know where Clarion is. <clears throat> yeah, the lake is actually half in Venango and half in Clarion County. Yep. Yep. Okay. Is that a lake that the tournament series fishes on, John? 
Yes. I don't know if they're fishing it this year, but every year before, they have fished it. Um, There's other tournaments that go on there. There's other ice fishing tournaments that happen on that lake, too. So sometimes they have uh, worked around, in the PA Hard Water Series, have worked around some of the other tournaments. So, um, yeah. Do you think, at least a lot of people that I talk to, when you mention ice fishing, uh, even like the the most diehard bass fishermen, uh, and you you mention ice fishing, and they just completely shut down. Like it's no way. I'm not. There's no way out ice fish. It's just not for me. I, it, it, do you run into that a lot? I'm sure you you know probably talk to you. You, you know that's a lot of people that I've talked to, and I was sort of the same way when a friend of mine took me and said, "Hey, you want to go ice fishing?" And it's like. I'm thinking, how fun is it just to sit and look at a hole in the ice? Yeah. And why would I want to be on the ice in the middle of a lake, <laughs> you know? And we used to night fish. Uh, we used to, when I first started, we only really fished at night for crappies. And it's like, why would you want to be, plus add the darkness to it? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think it's one of those things that until you actually go with somebody that can at least put you on fish, which is what happened with me. A friend of mine, he knew a good spot. He took me out, and it was you couldn't keep the lines in the water for 10 or 15 minutes at a time. Really? And then it would shut down for an hour, and then it would come back, and for 10, 15 minutes, you couldn't keep your line in the water just pulling out <laughs> big crappies. And I'll never forget it. And it just got me hooked. And so I think until somebody actually tries it and actually is successful when they go out, because you can sit there, if you're not in a good spot, you can just sit there and look at a hole in the ice the whole time. Uh, But get on a place where there's actually fish or go with somebody that can show you. And I think it, it can be a game changer on not wanting to ice fish to just being completely bit by the ice bug and wanting to just dive right into it. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, John. When I was younger, I grew up at a lake in uh, Altoona, um, Canoe Creek. You know, it's not known for amazing fishing. Um, but we did ice fish there whenever I was young. And we just never did any good. And it, it got to be more of a, oh, you guys want to go ice fishing? You know, all right, I'll go. Um, it was more of a hangout session. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until I moved down here and Logan put me on fish ice fishing till I realized how fun it can be. So I, I 100% agree with your comment because I was not an ice fishing fan until I went with somebody that knew what they were doing. So I need somebody other than Stevie to take me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But you know what you just said is very important, too, because a big thing about ice fishing is the social aspect of it. Yep. It's weird because you can be on the water and fish closer to people but if you were literally in a boat fishing close to those people, you'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are yeah. you so close to me? But when you're ice fishing, it's, it's, it's like you're going to all the people, and yeah. it's the normal thing. Um, there's people that, you know, a, a lot of ice fishermen are very respectable on their distance of how close they get to another person, but – what you would compare from open water to hard water is completely different because it's also a different type of fishing. So 
you there is a social aspect. You meet a lot of new people, and you can get a group of people. And depending on the type of fishing, whether you're going to just do strictly jig fishing, or I've seen a group of guys, you know, set up and bring out the grill and set up a bunch of tip-ups for bass and just hang out and have a have a ball on the ice for a whole day. You know, it's it can be a really good social event yeah. too. I I I almost disagree with that because the fact that Stevie doesn't like anybody around him because he hears the <laughs> ice cracking. Oh, he doesn't care about if you fish close to him. Out. He don't want your weight near yeah. his weight on yeah. the ice. Oh, that, I can't get used to that. The but, sound of it? No, no. <laughs> to, to your point, John, I think there almost is like as many guys that you know, as many bass fishermen say i'll never ice fish there there's probably as many ice fishermen that say you know i'm not going to go out on an 80 degree day and bass fish because at least the lakes that we fish here i'll see more people at eight o'clock on a saturday morning Mm -hmm. in january ice fishing than i do at six o'clock on a saturday morning you know in june or july yeah and so yeah it, it is a it is almost a, what what do they call that like a a, a cult thing it's in some respects <laughs> i don't know logan how long have you been been doing it probably 13 14 years really really wow it, it, I, I wish i had a logan teach me how to <laughs> you do he's right here you just yeah all but, you uh, have to do is call this like, this magic number and say you want to go fishing he said i'm already there i'm already <laughs> yeah, out come on out it's it's crazy because when I started five or six years ago, something like that, I I just read a bunch and then went out on the lake and just started watching people and you know talking to people and that you know that helped. I'm still terrible, but I was saying earlier that I, you know I met Mr. Logan when he was like 14. I can remember one Christmas morning leaving for Lacey's grandmother's yeah. and looking out on the lake and seeing this kid sit beside, sit by himself in front of a hole on Christmas morning fishing. Logan's, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, don't listen to this because I don't want to make you head swell, but Logan fishes Look away, almost, Logan. he's got what, he, <laughs> almost 300 days last year that he put in fishing. So Jeez. when it comes to, I don't think that it's ice fishing's, I think it's just a necessity that he has to go fishing yeah. and the water's just frozen. something. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And here's here I got a good question for John cuz that necessity of to go fishing as a bass fisherman, you know, and I, I like fishing for multiple species. Yeah. We can have a good day on a lake that I live at, Lake Mead. It's roughly a 300-acre lake and if on a good day in the springtime, you can catch 10 to 50 bass. Like it's it's a pretty good bass lake. We'd I'd say agree with that. Absolutely, but in the you know in the eight years that I've been fishing ice with Logan on the lake, maybe ten, I've caught one bass through the ice. Through the ice, yeah. Which so I don't understand why our bass don't hit through the ice. And I, I'm not just talking to me; I'm talking about thirty ice fishermen out there yeah. that know what they're doing, <laughs> and nobody catches a bass. It's they, very odd. They bite. We just don't fish where they are. Is that it? That's the whole thing. Okay, we're fishing twenty feet. Yep. 18 feet for crappies. They're more perch. Eight, 10 foot of water. So, okay. So I may know the answer to this, but John, have you ever caught a bass through the ice? <laughs> I was trying, oh, yeah. to, <laughs> trying to kick that I've caught pebble quite over. a few bass through the ice. Is that right? I've never caught a smallmouth bass through the ice. Always largemouth. Do you, do you fish where there's smallmouth, John, through the ice? Uh, 
There, there are a couple places yeah. that I fish where there's smallmouth. Um, I know some people that have gotten onto some smallmouth. Um, Gus, uh, it has gone onto some smallmouth in some places. Um, but they they hold up in certain places and it can be pretty hard to find. Really, um, but uh, it, it's sort of somewhat. Depending on the lake, uh, sort of what the bass do. They go into certain places, and, you know, if you're fishing for perch and, and crappie, you may not, you know, you might pick up a largemouth here and there, but you're not going to, like like you said, you're not going to have a, 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 you know, a 35-fish day of bass, no, right. most likely. Yeah. Now that Logan said that, coming to think about that, I did catch that bass halfway back to the boat ramp. So it probably was like eight feet of water. Was it? Okay, that makes sense. Now I know where I want to fish, John. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Going back halfway to the boat ramp. So, you showed us a picture earlier of he a bass sure who did. caught through the ice. Why t- tell us about that? With a catfish. I'm gonna, a pike. I'm going to make the official request now to Ryan that we use that fish as our show art. Uh, taken care of. Okay. Done and done. <laughs> so <if> okay, <laughs> so... The story behind that, um, I'm trying to remember. I was coming home, I think, from another lake, and I had my ice fishing gear. I might have been coming home from Erie. I can't remember. But Gus um, was wanting to know what the ice uh, thickness was on Kale Lake because we had a tournament coming up. And I just happened to be coming by there, so I said, well, you know, I'm not that far away. I'll, I'll stop by on my way home. I have my ice fishing gear, um, and I'll just walk around and check some ice, ice depths or uh, thicknesses. And so I was just walking around with my sled and my auger, and I really wasn't actually going to fish, but I thought, well, while I'm here, <laughs> you know, I'll, yeah. I'll bring my flasher around, and I'll sort of, at a quick as I'm checking ice thicknesses, I'll see, I'll do a little pre-fishing, uh, cause I really didn't have much time to pre-fish. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just make a circle around the lake or partial of the lake. And, and so I might've been my 10th hole. I think I was in about 22 feet of water and I had this little tiny super ultralight, uh, fishing rod with an inline reel with three pound um, monofilament mm-hmm. line with about a three millimeter or is either a three millimeter or two point five millimeter tungsten jig and this jig was so small I mean that's it tiny. would have fit yeah, within inside your pinky nail so, yeah. that's and like so the, the little it tiny took a really trial long magnet. time even though it it's a tungsten jig to get down to the bottom. So, and usually I, I put my, my flasher in and I didn't see anything. All of a sudden I saw a little flicker at the bottom. And since the perch usually hold to the bottom, I thought, well, maybe there's a perch down there and I'll drop it down and see if something comes up. So I drop it the whole way down and I'm watching and I have to fine tune my, um, flasher to pick up my jig because I went from, originally in 15 feet of water now i'm down to like 22 and to find my jig and i watched my jig literally touch the bottom and all of a sudden it looked like the bottom it almost looked like i was bringing up my jig but there was no separation 
And I'm oh. like, well, I, I was like, it almost looks like so, the, the bottom is rising as I'm sitting here, <laughs> but I'm not seeing a separation. Just a big red And so blob. I just started to lift my rod, and my rod just slowly started to bend as I lifted. And I'm like, oh, I'm snagged on something down there, some weeds or something. Yeah. And so I started lifting, and all of a sudden, I couldn't tell, but it was pulling me back down. It pulled me back down a couple inches, and I'm like, Oh, uh, maybe I, I, am I really lifting something off the bottom? Maybe I'll pull it up. And then all of a sudden it pulled and I just felt my arm going straight to the hole because <laughs> uh, I knew I only had three pound test yeah. and it starts peeling line. Uh oh. So I had no idea because I've heard there was walleye in there. I've heard a couple people last while I heard caught in there, which was a rarity was 26 inches. And I thought maybe I, somehow caught a walleye on this little tiny jig Mm -hmm. and all i had was like a little maggot at the bottom uh, on the tip of the jig and i'm sitting there next thing i know i had gloves on and my line wraps around my hand so i had to stick my hand down the hole as it was pulling and just so happened that it stopped fighting enough that I could pull back and get my hand, the, the line wrapped around my glove and my fingers, because then right when that happened, it made the biggest run, and it would have snapped me off. So as I'm fighting this fish, huh. my heart's pounding, because I'm yeah. thinking, this thing is huge, and no <laughs> one's around me. There's other people on the ice, but nobody's around me. The people that are the closest, they're in their own little shanty, so I think, I don't know, maybe nobody's even watching me. And so (laughs) I call Gus as I have this fish on. I'm like, I have something huge on right now. I was like, I'm telling you, because I'm still messing around. The ice is good, but I'm like, you won't wait, but I have a big fish on right now because it was just not moving. And I didn't want to pull too hard because I knew I had a really tiny jig and a, and, and a light line. And finally, when it come up, it almost wouldn't even come through the hole. I had a six-inch auger, yeah. and it the ice was probably, I think, it was around like seven inches, I think, and it had a hard time getting its head turned around. And when I realized it was a bass, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Because I, I, when I reached down, I almost couldn't pull it up through the hole because Holy the entire bass. mouth filled the hole. I mean, I could have stuck my entire fist down this fish's mouth. And when I pulled it up out of the water, these two kids saw me fighting, and they were walking my way. So they were able to take a picture as I had the fish out of the water and took my picture with the fish. And I had my measuring tape because I was in an online fishing contest, and so they needed the measurement. So I took the measurement and took a couple more photos and then released it and it was healthy and i just had that thing literally at the it was barely hooked at the top of the mouth and the jig was completely destroyed i mean by the time i got the jig i'm like i don't even know how the fish was hooked because it almost looked like the hook was starting to almost straighten out oh jeez and uh so that was the biggest largemouth bass i've ever caught bass in general yeah uh, that i ever caught whether it be open water or hard water and i wasn't even trying to really fish and it was just a i I think the fish was yawning and i dropped the jig in its mouth (laughs) 
That's how I normally because catch them. I don't, I don't think a fish that big with its eyes so far apart, how big its head was, could have even seen that jig oh, is my. what my theory was because I thought, that jig was too small for this yeah. thing to even bother with it, you know? Maybe and so he was trying that, to pick his that, teeth. Um, <laughs> he, saw, he saw a little toothpick. He's like, I'll pick my teeth with that. <laughs> The, the fish measure 23 and a half inches and oh, estimation I never weighed it but I've talked to showed the picture to some people they're they're figuring in that six to seven range and yeah. that's in its winter weight so that it could easily gain a you know a pound or two uh, come word. summertime yeah. so that's a huge bass and that was on kale lake did did you win the online tournament with that fish yes I did oh, I, I think I, I did yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah, I think I took first place with that. Um, there, there's a there used to be a online fishing tournament on IceShanty.com, and okay. that's a good place where you you can find all the ice thicknesses throughout Pennsylvania. Lots of uh, there's state threads, there's country threads, Canada, United States, state by state, also, and then there's general stuff. And so they did an online. They used to do. I don't know if they do it anymore, but um, yeah. And, and what's amazing was this was out of all of North America, um, and I think two out of the top three came from Pennsylvania for the largemouth bass. Oh, wow. nice! Yeah, in that online tournament. That, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I th- I'm thinking this summer I'm gonna get some maggots and. Two and a half millimeter jigs. Fourteen inch, <laughs> fourteen inch ice fishing rod. rod off my kayak and see what I can do. Maggots. That might be the trick. I always wondered if lightning bugs would work. But I tell you what, that bass was in a place that I have never caught bass in in that part of the lake. You said it was really. So deep, I thought it was right? odd that that yeah. bass was there in that deep of the water because there is a section of that lake that that sort of holds more bass and they're in like 15 to 18 feet of water and more of of a flat. They're not up towards the shallower end. And so I I thought it was odd because I wasn't anywhere near where I usually catch bass on that lake. And uh, up towards the boot. Yep. Yep. Here's a hypothetical. Think about this hypothetical um, structure of the lake. Like in my lake, it has grass beds and they're in different, depths right so hypothetically sometimes a big buck um will lay in a cornfield and he'll lay there and he'll lay there and he'll get comfortable there if he's not pushed he's not pressured and the farmer will come and cut the corn and the next day when the corn is cut he'll be laying in a cut cornfield in the wide open because that's where he's been laying and that's where he felt comfortable now he's not going to stay there real long but Unfortunately, like that was that's his spot, and I've heard that more than not. Guys have just seen these massive bucks laying in a field the day really? after it was cut in the wide open. What if these bass, like the grass dies in the winter? Yeah, but that's that's where I'm, that's where I'm betting. Like this is where I spent all my time in the grass. It's still their spot. This is still my spot, and that that's kind of a thing that I've been thinking about. Our lake and these little grass beds that were there during the summer that aren't there now, but are the bass still there? I mean, it's hypothetical, but I'm, it's something I'm going to try this if the water freezes. It's worth a shot. Yeah. I know a couple of yeah. couple of beds over there that Logan used to 
catch a couple big fish off of. Correct. I think me and you ought to go drill a couple holes. Yes. <laughs> you got to remember, though, they lower. You're not invited. They have. They lower the lake six feet. Yeah. So I still know where they are. Everything changes. Do I know they where do, they are. Do they do that with any of the lakes up there, John? Do they lower them for the wintertime? Um, no. Uh, there, there are some... There are some lakes that I have fished. Uh, don't fish them that that much, like Keystone uh, Power Dam Lake. They 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 lower that in the winter. Um, but usually, the problem with those lakes that they're they're the more flood control lakes. Um, you know, uh, some of the lakes that are basically rivers that are dammed up. Um, they're kind of iffy to ice fish because the, the water's constantly rising and lowering and the edges break and you never know whether you're going to go there and be able to get onto the ice or not uh, because of that. Um, but most of the lakes that we fish, um, the, the water's pretty much always the same level. Gotcha. Is there any lakes up there where you're fishing, John, where you can take four-wheelers and snowmobiles out? or Not in PA, I don't think. No? No. Um, Just Erie. Erie. As, as far as I know, all the all the inland lakes, uh, you can't drive any four-wheelers or snowmobiles or anything like that. Now, on Erie, uh, you know, up at Presque Isle, I, I believe that you can, and there's certain places that you have to be able to get on uh, to make it legitimate, I okay. think. I don't know all the rules and regulations with those, but uh, yeah, I, I just I think the reason why Pennsylvania, the majority of the lakes, you know, or why the inland lakes they don't allow that is because we just most of the time never get enough ice to really support four wheelers and, and trucks. For it to be safe, you know, because sure. yeah. if we do, it doesn't last long enough. Right. So, John, I'm hoping that. By the end of this episode, we've been able to convince at least one person, just one one person that, had, you know, in, in their mind is saying, I'm never going to ice fish to at least give it a try. And for, for that one person, I'd like to take a minute here for this group to kind of come up with uh, a real down and dirty, here's the, the minimum I need equipment-wise to get out on the ice. So can can you start us off with that? Like if you were if someone came to you and said, "I'm I want to get started. I want to I want to try ice fishing." What's some things that you would recommend? Gloves. Uh, well, the number one thing is uh, an auger. You have to have an auger. You they you know they come from uh, four inches clear up to ten inches. Now the PA state limit is a ten inch hole. So you can't go any bigger than 10 inches. But the majority of people are, are using basically a 6-inch or an 8-inch. And they, I think they make a 7-inch, too. I've seen a few people who are strictly going for, like, smaller panfish, like bluegills and stuff, use 4-inch augers. But an auger is definitely the first thing. And sometimes it can be a pretty big investment uh, just to drill a hole in the ice. Uh, so that, that is, I would say before anybody actually just goes out without ever even going ice fishing and buying the gear, I would at least try to find somebody or at least even go on a lake where people are ice fishing and just talk to some people because there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help you and just show you, um, and may even allow you to even use their rod and, and test out just to see, 
uh, what it's even like. That's a good um, idea. But you definitely need a uh, an ice auger. Um, but before you even walk in the ice, I think the number one thing is some type of safety device, um, which is ice picks. You should have go buy a pair of ice picks. So even if you walk out onto the ice and you're not even fishing just to talk to people, you want to make sure that you're safe. And that way, if you do break through, um, always be checking, you know, the ice thicknesses. But other than that, I've seen people using regular fishing poles, you know, like a, a small little trout rod. Yeah. Um, I've literally seen a couple people out there using those. Uh, so you don't have to go and, um, you know, buy all the best gear. When I started, uh, you know, it was like really cheap um Walmart ice fishing rod, something that you can almost buy uh, a thing of jigs, an ice pick, uh, line and reel combo, uh, and rod, all for like $25. You could have all that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. then all you need is a way to drill a hole in the ice so- and just wear some good clothes. I wore my hunting suit for the first years that I was on the ice. I didn't have a well, at that time, the flotation suits uh, weren't even that well-known. Um, and then as you go, you can upgrade into better ice fishing clothing. Uh, you can upgrade into shanties uh, or hubs and slowly increase your ice fishing equipment and upgrade over the years. Um, and that's what I did because... Like I said, an auger is going to be the first big investment, uh, and you want to make sure you know that you enjoy it um, when you go to buy one. So that's that's the number one thing right there. So, John, specifically about the auger, I just want to check your stance on this. Should you have a sharp blade or a dull blade? Just oh, you definitely need a sharp blade. Hear that, Stevie? <laughs> it was sharp. The blades are on backwards. <laughs> Oh, you're supposed yeah, to turn. It, uh, <laughs> there, there are certain, there's different types of auger blades. There's yeah. chipper blades. There's regular straight cut blades. Uh, then you have what is sort of in its own, the Nils auger head, um, which is the whole head is one solid piece of metal. Um, so there's no replacements of the blade. You either have to replace the whole head or have the whole head shipped to have professionally sharpened. You can't really sharpen them yourself. Um, these are wow. the, there's different prices, price ranges, uh, and different things. So if you're in like really dirty, uh, ice where you might run in, you might drill through some weeds or there's dirt from uh, maybe it flooded and then it freezed up because I've seen that before where we got a lot of rain and it just the, the somehow the dirt gets into the ice wow. and that can dull a blade real quick. <laughs> if you have like a chipper blade, that's not going to dull the blade as often. If you have like a real fine blade like a Nils auger head, um, you're going to ruin that blade probably in the first cut uh, because they are they will last a really, really long time if you cut through clean ice. Uh, so always make sure you know what's underneath. You don't want to be cutting down into where you might hit a rock or the 
you know, there could be stumps or something like that because uh, it can dull the blades pretty quick. Wow. It's, it's kind of interesting because you're cutting through ice that's like yeah. rock hard, yeah. but something like that will dull the blade. Huh. Yep, they're designed just to, you know, there's shavers, there's chippers, and um, so, well, yeah, you always want to take care I, of, of your blades. I, I, you, have a, you have two butter knives. You have the butter knife. I can tell you one blade. Piece of metal. Well, I think what, what I was doing, and, and, and I'll, I'll need to get John's advice on whether this is appropriate or not, is uh-huh. you get most of the way through the hole, and then you take the auger and you bang down on it real hard. Through <laughs> <laughs> no. the last four yeah, inches. The, the last couple inches, you just bang through it with the auger. No. That, that, that has a tendency to makes more of a it makes more of a taper in the yeah, hole. It's, yeah, it, it's the <laughs> bigger fish come out easier. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. So I think I, I was, would I would recommend a six inch auger or less because most people who are fishing ice fishing, um, unless you plan on really going and you're really good at finding big walleye or muskie, then you think about going up into you know a ten inch. Now an eight inch. You might want to go with an eight inch. Some people like it because you you can get some of those big crappies that yeah. sort of have to wiggle their way up through a six inch hole because they're so tall. And <laughs> those are fun when you see them, and you and, and it, <laughs> it makes them look really big when you're like, I don't know if it's going to fit through the hole. So uh, some some tournament fishermen, uh, some guys that really don't want to lose fish, you go with that eight inch hole that way. Um, it's a little easier to bring some of those fish that are fighting really hard because, like I said, you get like a 23-inch bass and you're yeah. not expecting it. Um, it's going to come up through an 8-inch hole a lot easier than a 6-inch hole. I wish we would have uh, had but, this conversation years ago because my, my first auger was a 10-inch one, and I, I just have a hand, you know, I just do it by hand. Oh, I'm not going to. And the ice that year had got to 10, 12 inches thick. No. And, uh, <laughs> You oh. drill one of those, you're pretty well toasted. This, this is a good spot. <laughs> I'm, I'm already out of breath thinking about yeah, it because yeah. I know yeah. what it was like doing an eight-inch hand auger oh, in 22 inches of ice. Yep. Well, well, the next year I, I uh, downgraded to a six-inch, and that's much yeah. easier. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the new technology type uh, the electric augers out? Do they How long do they last drilling holes? Because I have not used yeah. one. Well, uh, it, it really depends on on the use, um, how thick the ice is. Um, I haven't personally used one. I know a lot more uh, guys that I fish with are actually buying power drills yeah. and attaching them straight to the auger. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's an auger that come out called the K-Drill. Um, so it's specifically draw, uh, designed for um, a hammer drill. And... It's got like a chipper style blade and it throws the ice out and then you can just reverse it or either way and clean your hole out. You don't even need an ice scooper. You know, you just, you, you just turn it and zip it and it throws all the ice right out of the hole and well, you're done. A little bit um, of so advice a lot more for people, people doing that. A, a little advice for people using the drill. Don't buy the cheapest one on the shelf because uh, with... I tried that too with this ten inch inch auger. Speaking from experience, yeah, some guys at work made me some uh, 
made an adapter to to connect this auger to a drill and yeah yeah you get one hole per battery that's on a 10 inch yeah. right <laughs> what you have to realize is that most of the drill companies making these drills are not making them for augers no. so you don't want to be thinking oh i'm going to buy this really expensive drill put on my auger and then you know it it doesn't you know it destroys your drill and then they're gonna say well you shouldn't have been using it on an ice auger (laughs) i I also think most of these companies make their money on the battery information (laughs) online that tells you what drills are best for what size and what type and all the different brands of augers out there to make that decision for yourself if you're worried about that there are augers like the strike master and the ion Mm -hmm. that are itself the company's own electric um, auger-powered drills. So yeah. uh, you can go that route also. And the, the lithium technology in the batteries now are making these they're, – they're able to withstand the cold a lot better. They work better in the cold than the old lead-acid batteries. They're lighter, and they're more powerful, and you're getting way more holes. Most of them, you're probably not going to wear the battery out in a day. Yeah. Uh, for for the for the average ice fisherman, the average ice fisherman might only drill you know a dozen holes. Maybe that's it for the day. Oh, um, but you know, a <laughs> tournament fisherman could drill a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred holes in, in a day. I tell, it's tough. If we maybe if we lived you know two hours north, I might invest in it. In an ice, in that's an the hardest it's, thing. It's is tough. To, I want to I want to upgrade all my ice fishing stuff too, but we have. Here we are mid-January. Sometimes we get 10 days of fishing yeah. a year. It's very difficult to spend the money on it down here. Yeah. What about electronics, it, it, John? How do you approach that? Flashers, uh, you mean? Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. I fish for the longest time without a fish finder or, or flasher. Um, and I tell you what, it made the difference between fishing and catching fish. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, I, we, because they are not a cheap thing also, uh, that is a very expensive unit. You're looking at, uh, you know, for a decent one, you're looking, I don't know, possibly around, you know, two fifty, three fifty uh, for, uh, an ice flasher. There's many different makes and models anymore. Um, even, even as I'm saying this right now, there's probably a new line already out there that I'm not even aware of. Um, but that will also help you. It's going to put more, most likely more, uh, wear on your auger because you can, (laughs) you can hole hop. So you drill a hole, you put your flasher in, you see if there's any fish, if there's nothing, there's no marks. Um, usually you run down because the fish, when your sonar is down below the ice, you're at a cone angle. So there's an angle to the, your, um, sonar that's going down. So maybe at the bottom, if you're fishing 20 feet, you might be in a 15 foot radius from your hole, but maybe you might not be able to see something that is five feet from you, only five feet under the ice. So they do have their limits, but you can at least see if there's something straight below you. And if there isn't, you can keep bouncing around the lake until you find fish. That is, when I first started, 
uh, you just you kept going out, you drilled holes, and you fished blind. If you caught fish, you remembered that spot. If you didn't have a GPS, you used the terrain. Yeah. You used trees at the end of the lake. Anything that could help you put yourself back on that same spot the next time you showed up. Triangulate. Yeah, and makes sense. over time, people got to find out where there were stumps or a good spot or something like that. And you would check your depth with a just a heavy weight, drop your line down and pick your line up and count how many feet you were in and then drill another hole. And it was just time-consuming. Yeah. And when you think about it, you know, driving to a lake and spending that money and time all just to try to find fish or maybe catch fish, when you look at it the other way around, yeah, a couple hundred dollars for a fish finder sounds like a lot of money, but you're going to save that money because you're going to catch a lot more fish with it, and you're not going to be having some of those days where you go out and fish for seven hours that I've done before and never catch a fish before I had a fish finder. The bite was off or I was in the wrong location. So that is a big game changer, uh, but it's not a necessary part because there's still a lot of old timers that I've seen on the ice that can outfish you (laughs) without a fish finder. So it really is experience technology can only get you so far um there's you know you still have jigging techniques and your bait and your lures and all the other different things that go into it the fish finder can help you put yourself on fish doesn't make you catch fish (laughs) you know what i mean yeah you know even with the 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 fish finder you know i've had experiences i'm sure you know everybody around here has too where you know the fish is there and it it almost looks like they're just staring at the bait you know no matter what you do i mean they're just <laughs> staring at they it just don't commit they yeah they just don't commit you know for you know minutes at a time you know they'll they'll swim away and you jig it a little bit and they come back and you know that uh, that light lights up right you know right next to your right next to your lure and they're just looking at it. I don't know what they're doing, but they're you're, not. They're you're not used committing. to fishing them picky trout. Picky trout, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That happens all the time. But I'm telling you, I have seen people, and especially fishing these tournaments, uh, which I believe more people should fish these tournaments because they will make you. A, it forces you to be a better fisherman. Does it? And you'll think. It's the worst day. Nobody's catching anything. These fish aren't biting, and there's always somebody that comes with a full bucket. And it just goes to show you that (laughs) there could be a lot of people that have a bad day, but there can be always somebody on that day having a really good day. Yeah. And so I've literally sat beside people. I've had it happen both ways, where we're sitting no more than 10 feet, and he's just slamming perch and crappy out of the hole. And I'm right beside him, and he's slamming them. And I'm, I'm like, what are you using? I put the same thing on. <laughs> and he just has that touch. There's some little cadence or some little flicker, or he's holding it at the right depth or doing something that I'm not doing. And just that little thing is triggering those – 
fish that don't really want to bite want to bite. Yeah, and That's every I've, single I've had it happen. I've had friends going, "What are you doing?" And I'd tell them, "I'd be the other way around." Yeah. I had friends like, "What are you doing?" And it's. I've I've had those days, and it's tough when you when you watch them and they're just staring at your jig and they're like, "Come on!" Did you ever try to knock the rod right at the seat of the reel? Just knock on the rod. Stevie told me there's a there's a surf. Uh, it worked for me. Surf fishing. Surf fishing. Yeah. Technique. Yeah. Where you knock on the rod. Yeah. You just just really like a little bit of vibration like you down just there. Knock on it and. Uh, I'm t- I saw. I'm not kidding, John. I, there was. Uh, I was at the beach this year, fishing, and uh, uh, actually, I wasn't fishing at the time. But there was a bunch of people fishing around me, and I saw this older guy, and you know, he was just reeling them in one right after the next. Nobody else was catching anything, and he would wing it out there and knock on the rod with it, you know, with his fist, just like he was knocking on the door. <laughs> And I tried it later that night, and and it worked. Hmm. And, and literally, I'm not lying. I, I would I would throw the bait out there. I get nothing, and then I would knock on the rod, and you know these are old school 10, techniques. 15, 20 they... seconds later, and I probably let the cat out of the bag. I feel bad for hmm. that guy. Who just blew his. You it's know, like told everyone his catfish. But yeah, yeah. You ever see uh. that that wooden? It looks like a backwards spoon or uh-uh. that old timers will will go up and down in the water off their john boat when they're like they're jug fishing for catfish or they're yeah. catfishing and it goes kerplunk, kerplunk, kerplunk. It makes a special cadence. It makes a weird sound. For catfish. And it, it makes them. it makes catfish go into like a feeding frenzy. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I believe it. Does it sound like the, the jaws? Mm-hmm. Snapping. Snapping. Something that whatever it makes them go feeding. Well, I'm going to try this whole knocking on the rod thing on my flintlock. Try it. On Saturday. See if I can't make something happen. Well, I... You could try. I knock it on the flintlock. Yeah, knock, knock on the flintlock. On the flintlock. See, See if they show up. Stick, Start biting. Stick your tongue <laughs> to the barrel when it's four degrees. Right. And then, uh, well, Saturday's going to be 65 and raining. I'm sure yeah. my gun will go off. Yeah. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Oh, How are we on time, Ryan? Buddy, we're actually right there. Are you we, serious? We knocked the heck out of this thing. Speaking I, of knocking on the rod. Yeah. Oh, man. John, I had only had a list of about seventy-five more questions. We got through. Oh, I know. Four we just scratched the surface about ice fishing. <laughs> no. Well, no. if you were using Stevie's auger, you wouldn't even have got that deep. <laughs> <laughs> Public service announcement: Do not use the auger as a ice pick. It doesn't work. <laughs> As a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a sledgehammer. John, are you a coffee drinker? Yes, I am. Well, we're going to say stay on the line here. Our, Good news. Our, our friends from Duck Blind Coffee have uh, given us some some coffee to send out to you. Yeah, we want to make sure you get a chance to migrate over to oh, a better thanks. cup. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. So, uh, And for well, anybody listening that wants to try some of that Duck Blind coffee, head on over to Duck Blind Online. Yeah, Pick check them out. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. stuff. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get that out to you right away. Thank you for spending some time with us tonight. This was a, this was a good night. You guys have had a, an awesome season so far, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk again here soon. Yeah, John, we need to hook yeah. up. Um, I'm gonna be looking for that flintlock video. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, pretty soon the weather's gonna break. You guys will be hunting morels, then you'll be hunting rattlesnakes, and it'll be all over again. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. Yep. 
So we're looking forward to the, the fishing tournaments, yeah. the WPA Hard Water Series. Uh, I just want to just let you guys know because that is something I recommend people coming oh, yeah. out. And if you're nice fishermen, joining that because after last year, that was the largest panfish tournament in the United States. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Right here and in our right. backyard. Did tell us thousands that. Yeah, of one. cash prizes yeah. and giveaways. Um, so, I mean, uh, it, it is really amazing uh, how big Gus and, and Billy and some of those guys have, have brought that series. And now going into Ohio, into New York, um, and that's where um, most, most likely on the weekends I'm going to be fishing. Um, I'm going to be on the ice probably doing some of those tournaments. So Awesome. You know what? I ought to enter one of those tournaments. Maybe I'll pick up one of them striker suits that we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, Gus, yeah. I think Gus gave two of, the way, two of those away last year. Yeah. You didn't even have to win to get one. Nope. Yeah. 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 All right, John. Thank you. But I appreciate it. How can people follow you guys and keep up, keep an eye out for this, uh, this new Flintlock video you got coming out? Uh, you can look on YouTube. We have two YouTube channels. Uh, Leatherwood Outdoors, two words, and our second channel is Leatherwood Outdoors 2. That's all one word with a number two at the end. Uh, we'll probably most likely have that Flintlock video on the main channel, Leatherwood okay. Outdoors. But we also have a Facebook page, and you can follow us on Instagram. You guys are everywhere. You sure are. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, It's Sean. been fun, guys. Thanks. It's yeah, been a great you. night. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yep. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Stevie. Yep, we'll see you. Yes, sir. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this month's other sponsor? This month is also brought to you in part by Miser Creative LLC. Rutten River Pursuits podcast is a production of Miser Creative LLC. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast or if you need help creating video content for social media, look us up. Give Will an email at will at ruttenriverpursuits.com for more information or pricing options. Love me some Miser Boys. Mm-hmm. You know it. Mm-hmm. Good fellas. So true. Hey, Catfish. Yes, sir. Where can people find us? You can find us at RuttenRiverPursuits.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and check out them YouTubes, as Stevie would say. Mm-hmm. Check them out. And I believe we're still tweeting. This is what I heard. Sure. Tweet away. Tweet away. <laughs> <laughs> Download the podcast on yes. iHeartRadio, Spotify, and iTunes. Yeah. And I don't know if when this is going to come out, but you can find us at the Great American Outdoor Show coming up shortly. Yeah. That's true. So come on We're out gonna and be say all hello over to us. You see yeah. us running around. You got it. That should be about what time this comes out. Did you see Stevie start twitching as soon as you said that? Did His I legs are iTunes? already hurting. It's because the milkshakes are there. You said iTunes. You I meant-, meant Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Sure, we're probably on iTunes too. I, I know we are. Yeah, we're everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. All right. Good I'm show, just, boys. I'm just amped up because we spent an hour talking about ice fishing. He just wants to go ice fishing. I'm happy yeah. for you, buddy. I got the. the I can't ice wait. Fishing I can't wait for Logan to take me. Maybe I'll like ice fishing. <laughs> you can borrow my auger. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. We'll see how that works out. All right, guys. Good show, boys. Thanks, fellas. See you later. Rig weedless. Third place was the final payout place. Okay. And we missed third place by a hundredth 
oh. of an ounce. What? Oh. <laughs> what? What kind of weights so, are we talking about? First I think it was. I think third place had six point two five pounds, and we had like six point two four something like that uh, out of a ten fish panfish limit. Well, if you would have let him swallow the worm when you caught him, John, you guys would have took that place. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll need to get John's advice on whether this is appropriate or not. As uh-huh. You get most of the way through the hole, and then you take the auger and you bang down on it real hard. <laughs> Through the last four yeah, inches. The, the last couple inches, you just bang through it with the auger. No. That, that, that has a tendency it makes to more bend of a, them it up It makes a more bit. of a taper in the yeah, hole. It's, yeah, it, it's the, the bigger fish come out easier. <laughs> I mean, All right. Yeah. John, I had only had a list of about seventy-five more questions. We got through. Oh, four I know. We just them. scratched the surface about ice fishing. <laughs> no. Well, no. if you were using Stevie's auger, you wouldn't even have got that deep. <laughs> <laughs> Public service announcement: Do not use the auger as a ice pick. It doesn't work. <laughs>